Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 3, Episode 9. I'm glad you're here. I mean, I'm virtually glad you're here. No, that's not right. How about this? I'm literally glad you're virtually here. I'm virtually here to get you literally thinking about your end-of-year review. I know, it's nowhere near the beginning of the calendar year, and it's probably not even close to your fiscal year. That is what makes this the perfect time to think about your end-of-year review, right now. Now wait, you may say, that makes no sense. Well, actually, yes, it does. And here's why. How are you doing on those New Year's resolutions? Yeah, the ones from the beginning of this calendar year? I rest my case. I've never been good at New Year's resolutions. Of course, I've made them. And like most people, I've cut myself free of most of them by the end of January. Now, that's not a problem unless, of course, you really do want to change something. Then it gets to be pretty difficult when your willpower can only muster up, well, three or four weeks. There's got to be a better way. Well, there is. I don't know how I fell into this practice, but I started it years ago, and in the years since, I've seen people write about it. They don't always take the same approach, but it's at least out there now. But first, let me tell you the system as it started for me, and then I'll tell you how I use it today. How's that? A little bit of theory, best case scenario, bit of practice, and then, because I'm not very good at best case scenarios, I've had to work around my weaknesses. This started for me years ago when I was writing performance reviews for people who directly reported to me. Now, those reviews were usually disappointing because the whole process focuses on the negative. You're doing fine on leaping tall buildings in a single bound, but you really need to work on more powerful than a locomotive. You know, not particularly helpful. At some point, we'd have to look back at the goals for the previous year, and guess what? Nobody could remember them. No real surprise that they hadn't been accomplished. Okay, now human resources has ways that reason knows not of. Okay, to all of my friends in HR roles, sorry about that, but stay with me. I was obligated to hold to the review process that was in place. But it got me thinking, there's got to be a better way. I tried a few things with the intention of making some changes in my own life. I started with this question. What would it look like for the upcoming year to be awesome? What would be the high points looking back on it? See, this is a big step for me because it changed my perspective from looking ahead to what do I want to do to looking backwards. See, I needed this because I found myself setting goals based on other people's expectations. My New Year's resolutions were more about what would make me look good to others, lose weight, join a gym, that kind of thing. In the same way, my work goals usually focused on what I thought my boss would like to hear. I'm going to maximize efficiency across multiple market segments by creating cross-functional teams of excellence. Yeah. So when I changed my focus to what would make this an outstanding year, I found that I was better at identifying things that I cared about, things that I was good at, and things that, well, might actually make a difference. See, it's a bit of a creative project. Put yourself a year into the future and look back at the high points. Once I had identified those, I could put myself on a plan for accomplishing them. Again, more creativity, thinking through how to make those things actually come to pass. 
I've had people complain that this won't work because things are bound to come up during the year and derail some of those plans. Fair enough. But those things would come up regardless of whether you had a plan at all. It's been better for me to anticipate success rather than trying to anticipate trouble. I'm not the most optimistic guy in the world, but I found that it's really easy for me to auger in trying to plan around the bad stuff rather than working toward the good. My apologies, but I have to give another COVID-19 example, since we're in the middle of it as of the time that this pod was cast. I'm pretty comfortable with online teaching, so when the word came in that we needed to move our face-to-face courses online, I didn't panic. It took some work, yes, but most of the hard work was already done and in place. I saw this as an opportunity, and I'm using the classes that were originally face-to-face to try out some new teaching and learning technologies. Now, I'm not boasting. You know how it is. The only stories that you have are personal. That's what I'm doing here. But what if my goal had been just simply to successfully teach this face-to-face class? Now, that's a pretty common way of thinking about goals, but it also makes it pretty difficult to adapt to unforeseen circumstances. My goal, whether online or face-to-face, is that every student has a good learning experience and feels valued and respected through the process. That gives me the real focus of my goal without locking me into a particular way of thinking or doing things. Well, this is my aim. I never know if I've fully achieved it until the course evaluations come out. I put a lot of effort toward accomplishing that, but the assessment comes out after the fact. See, that helps me to plan my curriculum better and make wiser choices for the future. So let me tell you about my current practice when it comes to back planning my life and work. See, I found that for me, a year is just too much to work with. Like you, in your world, things come up, priorities change, and it's almost impossible to keep on track for 52 weeks. That's more of a function of the age we live in, but a lot can happen over the course of a year. That's why I usually recommend doing a back plan review at least quarterly. Ask yourself, what will make this next quarter an amazing success? And then map out some practical strategies to get there. For me, my year breaks down into eight six-week chunks with a bit of time off for major holidays. Courses in the program I lead run six weeks, so that's part of the natural rhythm of my work. Now, I use that to my advantage. What will make this next academic block awesome? I identify the high points for the next six weeks, set the standards for completing each one. This means that at the end of every six-week block, I get to look back and assess how I did and repeat the same process for the upcoming block. That's why I call this back planning, jumping ahead so that I can look back. Now, I don't know the right time frame for you. Six weeks works for me because, well, that's the natural pattern of my work. For you, it might be two months, it might be a quarter. Find whatever works best for you and give it a try. See, this took me a few years of trial and error to come up with the right timeline and pattern that worked well for me. Your pattern, whatever it is, needs to align with your life and with your work. Now, there's another factor to be considered here, and that would be, it'd be easy for you to think that I never had any projects that run more than six weeks. Well, that would be wrong. I've got one that's now finally out of my hands that has been on my docket for four years. No kidding, four years. This means that every six weeks I reviewed where I wanted to be and how to get there. 
I'm happy to tell you that uh, it always matched my timeline. No, I'm lying. But I'm happy to tell you that. Like most projects, there are other people involved, and my six weeks blocks allowed me to aim for where I wanted to be and think through what it would take to get there. This helped me recognize that even if things didn't work out as I planned, I knew I had done all that I could. I didn't want to be the problem, and the plan gave me a framework, and frankly, it gave me perseverance. This process has helped me to get way more creative and way more productive work done, whether it takes six weeks or four years. So I hope you find this helpful. The only way to know, though, is to try. Now, I'm not trying to be flippant, but ask yourself, how can you make this the best pandemic ever? In the words of Sister Mary Catherine Perry, quote, people say they want peace and quiet, and then when it is thrown in their lap, they panic, end quote. I'm going to post a link to her entire article. There's a lot of wisdom there. And now, a COVID-19 benediction. Stay home, wash your hands, and tend to one another. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station.